Hello, everyone. Today you have Jake and Seth, and we will be discussing the 2020 Spike Lee film, The Five Bloods, uh, starring Chadwick Boseman, Delroy Lindo. Uh, there's a, there's other cast members, but to me, those are the two biggest headliners. Yeah. Um, great film. I mean, should, let me phrase that. It was a very well-received film on Rotten Tomatoes, and again, 97%, or high 90s in terms of uh, of the... Rating, there is no box office for this because it went straight to Netflix. But I think if he had a big budget for it, for it, like 35, 45 million. So yeah. high expectations for this film. I haven't actually seen much in terms of viewership. I think they're going to release it on Monday. I'm anticipating high viewership given the fact it was released on Juneteenth. As we said, everything else that's going on. Um, right. And I mean, I actually watched it on Juneteenth myself. Um, sorry, that's not virtue signaling. Just matter of fact. Um, it's the only thing I did that was even somewhat relevant on the day. So, uh, watch the, that, that's where I watched the film, uh, on Friday. I, I'm not gonna lie. I did not love it. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to go into all the reasons why, but I will, there are things I liked, but I'm going to kick it back to you, Seth. Uh, what, what are your thoughts uh, with, on the film? Yeah, I'm similar to you. I think, uh, I think I watched it when it came out, um, didn't love it. Um, definitely sort of like not a kind of a flawed movie. Wasn't perfect. But then there's also some very interesting performances. Some of the story I did find compelling, although it's a little kind of overdone, I guess. Um, probably could have used another edit, honestly. But um, I'll say the, like, the good pieces of it made me still like feel satisfied by watching it, I guess. I, I think there was a better movie inside of it. Um, I also think I sort of alluded to this with Inside Man 2, where Spike has a lot of connections to more classic filmmakers. And it was interesting to me to sort of watch him allude to a lot of the classical Vietnam movies that he's seen made by his peers, whether it's Platoon or Apocalypse Now or The Deer Hunter, you know, I think he was influenced by all those directors and filmmakers. So to see him kind of make his own Vietnam War movie was interesting, too. It was interesting. I'm not as well versed in all the Vietnam films as you are, but I was definitely picking up on that, too. And we'll dive into a little bit. Uh, one of the things I really liked was that we talk about representation a lot. I thought the Chadwick Boseman character of Storm and Norman was really cool because in my interpretation, that was like a black Captain America. Like he was the super soldier. He was the best. He was doing everything. And not only that, he was a good man. And, throughout right. the film, and I think the casting was intentional that, I mean, Spike knows that that's Black Panther. And I think there's a reason he cast him in that role where it's like, like you said, it's almost like a superhero type of character. Yeah. And I really liked it. And not to bring it back to Marvel, but this is again, timely. The next, the new Captain America is black in Marvel. It's going to be Sam Wilson. And I actually think there's going to be, again, talk about timeliness. He's going to be fighting a white man for that role. And there's going to be like an evil guy from the government trying to fight him for the Captain America role. That's a different pod. Just was saying I like that. And you're 100%. They're definitely harking to that. And there are a lot of, this is how I kind of felt with the movie. We'll dive into it. I liked it. I thought it had some really good themes. But execution at the end of the day, I felt like there were so many unforced errors or just like maybe like slop, sloppiness. There was a few subplots too I thought could have been taken out. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It just uh, We'll get into this later, but this is something I'm seeing 
more and more with these Netflix films, especially the bigger names, but even like the smaller ones. These we talk about this in like two. Netflix is not so much the traditional studio with all these producers and oversight. They really seem to give a lot of leeway to these artists and creators. And I think that accounts for some really great stuff like Stranger Things. I think you get a lot of bad things and we've all seen some of these bad straight to Netflix movies and stuff. And I think you get what you get more than anything is a lot of stuff in the middle. And I think this falls in there, like much like uh, the Scorsese film, it's just, it's really ambitious, but it doesn't have the necessary focus to, I think, hit all the things it's trying to hit. Right. That was the movie I was going to reference, um, where it's like, yeah, you get a Martin Scorsese or a Spike Lee, you kind of think to yourself, well, let's leave these guys alone because they're accomplished artists and they know what they're doing. But at the same time, maybe Scorsese needs that executive producer over him, you know, kind of barking down on him or pushing him a little bit. Same with Spike Lee. Like, Spike almost more, especially, I think, is the type that commonly goes over budget and kind of uh, can chew off, can bite off more than he can really chew at times. And so it's like, I think they are both, you know, I understand why you'd give these guys a lot of rope and leeway, but at the same time, it's like, I don't think Scorsese needs to make a three and a half hour, you know, someone should have told him to, you know, edit that down to a reasonable length. And it's like, I think there's similar stuff going on here where this is a two and a half hour movie that probably should have been capped at two hours uh, it kind of it it dragged at a couple of times, and some of the subplots, like I was saying, I don't know if I needed the the like long lost romance with one of the characters and his like Vietnamese uh, mistress or something, and then the child that he, <laughs> he like never met all of a sudden is dropped on him, and then the son also has like another romance on the side or something. Yeah, um, both got, of those I thought were a little extraneous. I've got some notes about that, and it seems like we're kind of both at the same point we're gonna do this one a little differently we'll let's like we'll walk through the film and i kind of i think we're kind of at a good point starting point just for the overall structure of the film it's a two hour and 35 minute movie and we're five minutes in and then the first thing we both agreed upon is there's a lot of underdeveloped storylines and that to me is inexcusable if your movie is over two and a half hours yeah and you have multiple underdeveloped or underused storylines or character like I don't like it and one of the things I want to talk about this I think one of the things you mentioned that there's a good film in here and I agree I think there's actually there's some really powerful performances there's some really great stuff in here I don't think editing can elevate it from like an F to a B or an A but I think it could get it from like an F to a C or a D to a B Um, and one of the things I wanted to talk about there is like again one of the things that really bothered me about this film, like you mentioned, there is no setting up. You immediately, it throws you in with this group of characters and you're in Hanoi or you're in um, Saigon. I'm sorry, it's not called Saigon anymore. I just, that's double fail by me. You're in Vietnam with these characters and you're there. But so it's like you're in this movie, you've spent 20 minutes with these characters and boom, Delroy Lindo's character, his son, Delroy Lindo's Paul, he goes back to a hotel and you find out his son's there. And it's like, okay. And you're immediately thrown into this tentious, like very tense relationship, which you don't understand till the end of the movie. And it's not like, right. oh, they build it. You just know there's a tenseness there and a tension. And you there's no building of it. It's just put there and then answered at the end. And I feel like that's a lot of the stuff. It's like your point. So it's uh, Clark Peters' Otis. He's one. So these are all soldiers. They 
the premise of the film is these five soldiers stumbled upon this gold uh, that was being delivered by the United States to their allies in Vietnam. They found the gold. It was right after Martin Luther King Jr. died. They're really angry. So they decide to keep the gold for the, and they'll give it, bring it back to their community after this war is done. That's the plan. And so it's these four old guys going back now to get the gold to finally make good on their promise. And it's a little contrived. We'll get into why it's available now and not before. But so you get there and it's like you meet the characters and boom, you find out this one guy has a son that you, you, they don't get along. You don't really know why. Okay. Then you find, boom, Otis. You find out he had a lover there in Vietnam who he left. Okay. You find out they had a kid. Whoa. Okay. And then they go into some of the racial aspects there, which I thought was really powerful, but it's not done. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not done in a way that it's like you build to it. He surprises you with it, and then it's like it's not building to a surprise. It's like you find it out, and it's not. Oh, I'm surprised. That's huh? Like I mean, that's an angle in the story. And right. It's yeah. just it's weird, and it's there are other examples. So again, we're like jumping ahead here. But you're no, the introduction mm-hmm. of all those plot lines and stuff was pretty clunky. Like the first act was not the best first act of everyone. No, and then it's like even. One of the characters, I think, yeah, it's Eddie. It's the Eddie character who is, like, randomly you're like, oh, they all start, like, halfway through the film, they find the, and they're making fun of him for being rich. And I don't remember them alluding to him being rich. And then you find out he's not rich. He's lost everything. And it's this, like, really supposed to be powerful scene, but you didn't. There was no context or subtext for him. For he, tra- me. he like he offers to pay for the hotel rooms on a black card or something, and then they all call him like the rich guy. But what you don't realize is like an overdrawn credit card or something. He's kind of pretending to be rich. It's it's yeah, it's another plot line that's like there's a thin veil of it there, but it's not really dived into. Especially it's like that guy too when he dies. It was a pretty powerful death, but I think if like if you had actually done his plot line the right way, it would have been twice as powerful probably. I, I think it could have been much more effective. And again, like you didn't really know him. And then Isaiah Whitlock, for anyone who's seen The Wire, it felt like he was playing a caricature of himself. He was saying lines from yeah, that Yeah, he was not my favorite in this movie. He was yeah. dropping lines like, that's jive and googly moogly. And like he sounded like a caricature, almost like, not to, almost like a racist caricature at certain points. And there was definitely like where he, I don't want to say putting on blackness but it's like he's kind of in that zone i feel like where delroy lindo comes across much more authentically i think that is again per usual you are you articulated in a single sentence what i couldn't in a minute of rambling you nailed it right there and i couldn't agree more and then just moving on from there you have the son you have paul's son who is played by where's the oh jonathan majors yeah and this is a character, too, like, he's thrown into the film. You don't like him. They don't establish him as a likable character. Yet he becomes the moral center of the film randomly through the middle of the movie with this weird <laughs> contrived romance with these bomb removers. And, like, the, even the There was almost one point where I was like, is he supposed to be the lead character now? And then it was like, no. Like, there was a little bit of that, too, where I was like, who is the protagonist? Because I was like, for most of it, you, you want to say it's Delroy Lindo, but then you're like, maybe he's actually the antagonist. I was confused. It, it's it, Some of the, like, who's the central character here was kind of confusing to me. And that's why, I, as we're saying, like, it's just the structure. There was something structurally unsound about the film, and I think it's the way yeah. he set it up. And I think it's this 
you'll know the technique when you're telling a story almost out of time, like interspersed with flashbacks, there's a way to like lead the breadcrumbs to build to these great big like surprises and a way I think really resonates between the two storylines where it's you're, you're creating tension on both sides. Sometimes it's starting each end's meeting in the middle, like we discussed earlier with inside man, or sometimes it's, you don't know you're, you're both starting off and moving in the same direction in both right. periods and you don't know how it connects yet. This film doesn't do that. You're, you're just jumping back and forth between them. And now that one of, one of the things I'm going to talk about here, we can stay on structure if you want, but this is the perfect lead in. When you go to these, these flashbacks, it's really cool because they're shot on an old timey film, which I think is really effective. My problem is they're flashing back 40, 50 years and the same actors are portraying themselves. <laughs> 70 and 60 year old men are portraying themselves. And it's not like, oh, they're not doing the de-aging, which I think is horribly used. I don't think anyone knows how to use it properly. But makeup works and you could still dye their hair not to make it not gray. And my problem with that is, again, like talking about the structure and sound, like the soundness of a movie, you're watching Chadwick Boseman, who looks like a superhero, like who's a young man in his prime and looks the part, running around in a gunfight. And these old men are hobbling. And again, it's like the Irishman. They look old and I'm not trying to be mean. They are old. There was one shot where they panned from Chadwick to Delroy. And it just doesn't make like I remember. I was like, "Wait, Delroy's seventy years old here. Like he's supposed to be in Vietnam. Like that. It, it was not that part. That stuff was not clicking either. It's like you gotta either do different actors altogether or do more makeup. You can't just have him be seventy out there in the middle of Vietnam and he's twenty. This is my problem with the Irishman in this film. When you are trying to tell like a. 20 to 30 year difference and it's like 50 to like 30 to 60 or stuff like that stuff can be hard. This is 50 years from like teenage early tw- men in the early twenties to 70 years old. This is when you get different actors. Like this yeah. is when you get a different set of actors to portray them at different times. I don't think anything was gained for me personally. Also, it would have allowed you to develop them in a better way. I, I think like, so that way it would have forced you. I'm just thinking of it. They did a great job with characterization, at least in the first movie, but it works in the second one. You can still identify the characters, even though they're different actors by the, like the traits of the character themselves. And in this, I couldn't tell you anything about Melvin other than that. He sounds like if a race, it sounds like what a racist white guy would have a black guy say. And again, it's probably not my place to say, I'm sure there's some very, Lee, Spike Lee, and these actors know more about their culture than I do, but like it doesn't, it's something he. I totally, he came across as the least authentic of the group, I thought. And I don't know if, like, yeah, like, I mean, maybe he was going for something that just didn't totally hit for me personally or something, but I, the other actors I thought were much better than him. Yeah. He kind of stuck out a little bit. I, I liked Otis. Eddie was fine. I'm not knocking him. The actor was fine. I, I think in most of the cases, it's also the acting and the performance in the moment is fine but they're being betrayed by Spike Lee's decision to not de-age them or give them makeup or have old men portray them in these yeah, old scenes. Yeah, and they're being just by the lack of writing for the for these old a lot of these older characters. Clark Peters, the Otis character gets it. The Delroy Lindo Paul character gets it. Jonathan Majors, the son gets old. Like they, there's time spent with them, but to your point, there's no center of gravity. Like you're not really sure who you're rooting for. 
and you're jumping around back and forth. Right. And um, well, okay, with that being said, do we want to move on to the side characters or? or well, I was gonna. I mean, so I, I think like we're. I don't think either of us really liked the movie that much yeah. for a lot of the reasons we just espoused. But I will say one of the things I did like was sort of this idea and like, like you were, he doesn't do the two timeline things the way I would have wished he did. But I do think the idea of like that a war never really ends. And when they go back to Vietnam, all these people are still affected by that war from 30 years ago and stuff. And it's like, I thought that was all affected, and it's sort of like the, the sins they committed at that time were still haunting them in the in the present. And it, it was the same for Vietnam, where it's like none of the stuff had ever really ended; it had just added time to everything. And uh, I thought all you know there were there were like concepts inside the movie that I thought worked well. Also, with the Delroy Lindo character, the way he goes from this guy that believed in all of these black rights and black power uh, philosophies that Chadwick Boseman was espousing in the seventies. And then he ends up being this MAGA supporting, you know, uh, backwards thinking person because, you know, he's got PTSD. And I just thought the representation of all that, cause I'm sure that there are veterans that came back from Vietnam, weren't treated the right way and kind of turned on their country. And what, you know, it's like, it's just clear that he's, you know, his mind's been through a lot. He's been through a lot and he's kind of like found himself in this totally disoriented backwards thinking way. Uh, at least in comparison to, to his peers, I guess. The the Delroy Lindo character is honestly the, the only reason to really watch this movie. <laughs> I, I would agree with your likes of Delroy Delroy Lindo. He's clearly and I agree. I think he's the the strongest part of the movie. And we'll, we'll I think we should focus on him for a minute. But before we do that, I just want to quickly touch on I also think and we'll touch on like I think Chadwick later. I think Chadwick is a strength as well. And you kind of we kind of float around this there are a lot of great themes and powerful themes in this film. I don't think they're all yeah. executed or, or explained well, um, yeah. but like the Delroy Lindo character, your point, the messages and themes are being conveyed through him, I think are the most effective, but I loved the Vietnam setting and uh, I've been there recently. I'm sorry. I feel like I've said this before. If I have, excuse me, but I, I've been there recently. I went to Hanoi, which w- was held by the communists it's, it, and during this t- during the, the war and I went there, and it is it is a defining feature of them. That was their American Revolutionary War. And yeah. I didn't realize this. They fought the French. They defeated the. I knew they defeated the French before us, but they also defeated the Chinese after us. Like they they were in a war for almost like 25, 30 years. They, but I went back, and it's a huge part of their culture. And I'm sure in parts of the country it's different. I was also with tour guides, and I was in Hanoi City and the very, but. It, they were so warm and they were so happy to see Americans. And the question we got frequently was just out of curiosity. Why did you come? Why did you choose Vietnam? Were you worried? Is there, what were your thoughts after the war? And it was just, it was nice. And, and nice in that they were so proud and welcoming and warm. And they really, this was generally during my Asian trip. That was, that's interesting. Across many of the cultures, it felt like being a good host was, was very a strong part of the culture. And but in Vietnam, one of the things that really surprised me was like the warmth. And also, this is going to be. I'm not a soldier. This is going to probably come off in a really bad way, and I hope it's not insensitive. But they were very proud of their history, but they weren't. I never felt at any point they were bragging about defeating America. There was never this idea. And I asked them, I was like, what do you think about America? 
or the Vietnam War. And for my, my take was that it was something awful that happened a long time ago. We shouldn't have been here in the first place, in my opinion. And we did yeah. a lot of awful things. And we were there too long. And I would I would ask them. And the, their take was that it was an awful thing. It happened. It's in the past. It's over now. And I'm not speaking, again, not trying to be insensitive. This was like the feedback I got. They're like, it, they accept what happened and are willing to move on. It was this really... Again, I'm not, I'm not going to wax poetic here. I was really impressed. And it was one of the things I really liked about the country and the culture was that they were willing to, they could hold on to this memory. And in my, from what I saw, they weren't embittered by it, but they could still respect it. And I really love Vietnam and I want to go cool. back. It's one of those places I want to go back to. I, want, I actually want to go to the country, which we didn't see much of this time. Um, but I really like the setting. And I, by, while I'm no means an expert, I liked, I felt like the film did a good job of putting me in that setting. Um, but I'm sorry, that, that was too much down that rabbit hole. The Delroy Lindo character, I think I think Paul is, is what we should be focusing on. Yeah, he, he was the strength of the film. I loved Delroy Lindo. Didn't know he was British till this film. A little embarrassed about that. But uh, I thought he was the strength of it. And so I, I think we should dive yeah, in Yeah, we there. should talk about him a little bit. He's definitely a guy very recognizable. Uh, he's worked with Spike a little bit in the past, but like he's been in all kinds of movies throughout the 90s. He was in all kinds of movies. Probably more of a character actor. He never totally broke through, I want to say. Like, never became a household name. This is probably his kind of biggest moment in terms of, like, a leading role in the Spike Lee movie. Getting sort of, like, getting a few uh, whispers of Oscar buzz right now. Um, I think it'd be cool if he got a nomination. You know, it's pretty early to call out a winner. It was a strong performance, though. I, like, it was the type of performance after the movie I thought about him much more than the movie. I'm still coming back to it. There's a few scenes. Again, you'll know this technique. It's a close-up on his face as he's walking through a jungle, and it's a steady cam, and it's him speaking to the camera, and it's similar to the mirror dialogue. Um, it's a Spike does this. It's a it's an attached steady cam. It's one of his signature shots in every movie where he attaches the camera to the waist of the actor, and as the actor's walking, as Denzel's walking into the bank and inside man, the camera's attached to him, and you see his facial reactions and stuff. And so it's one it's one of those like special spike shots. It was cool to see him do it in the jungle in Vietnam though. It was a nice setting for it. I thought I really liked it. And he's, he's, it was good acting too. It was it was powerful. I thought it was some powerful stuff going on. Wow, great great podcasting right there. Powerful <laughs> stuff happening in the movie. Wow. Well, it's, I mean, yeah, happens. I mean He's dealing with all sorts of demons, past and present. Uh, like he's raising this son that he kind of neglected. Uh, I think, and it's like I think he's a man with a lot of regrets. I think there's things he did in Vietnam that he regrets. I think there's things he did with his family he regrets. He clearly has like some post PTSD uh, emotional issues that he has control trouble controlling and stuff. And it's just like it was a to me it was a very good portrayal of like a veteran who had been through a lot of shit and just couldn't, you know, couldn't clear their minds the right way. I think this, it's a common story for a lot of people. And, it, you know, me describing it probably sounds very cliched. The way Delroy Lindo played it was not cliched, I want to say. It was very, it was a very specific type of way. And, you know, again, from the black perspective, this is a group of people that felt like they were fighting a war. They didn't, you know, need to fight. They were drafted into fighting a white man's war in a different country. And, uh, you know, it's like that was their entryway into Vietnam. And now it's like 40 years later, he's still dealing with a lot of those demons. That was one of the things I thought was interesting too. not interesting 
in that, oh, like, but the idea that I, I've heard that before just from other movies and it makes total sense that they were fighting a disproportionate rate. And I, we'd read books. I think we read the the things they carried, which is a, we read a lot of Vietnam yeah. books in our high school, and it focused a lot on how poor white people and minorities, mainly black people, were really unfairly affected in the draft, and they were drafted to fight this war. And this well, was the main reason Muhammad Ali protested and didn't go to the war. Yes, but one of the things that I liked about this, and again, going to that Delroy Lindo character, he still hated. Like, he is the most belligerent of all of them, and he almost refused to cheers these uh, other Viet, actual Viet Cong VC veterans. Right. And it was interesting. It was that even, and you talked about this, clearly some stuff happened to him to kind of warp and recallous him. But even for the rest of them, there's not warmth for the VC characters, like, other than maybe Vin. But it was just yeah. interesting. It was this idea that, like, they were both victims but it didn't seem to be a sense of camaraderie. I, I'm probably not reading it the right way, but I just thought that was interesting. Like there, I think again, it's a nuance and subtlety. It's this maybe acknowledgement that they were both victims, but at the same time, that very human side, like they lost, I kinda read, they lost well, their yeah, friend. In the I think you're totally right. I kind of read that scene as a little bit like Delroy felt like, like this American patriot who had fought in Vietnam uh, sort of like admirably. And it's like, he still saw those Vietnamese people, those generals as the enemy kind of. Whereas like, I think even the Vietnamese people were like, yo, you blacks, you know, black soldiers were here. We all fought each other, but it, you know, it was a white man's war kind of. And it was like, it almost seemed like the Vietnamese had more perspective than Delroy Lindo did on that situation. So that actually reminds me, I wanted to ask you this. Did you ever see Miracle at Santa Ana? I don't think I have. So that is a 2008 Spike Lee film about a, an incident that happened in World War II, and it was a, a detachment of black troops are in this Italian village. And early in the film, I think it's called The Berlin Rose, but in this film, there is a woman, a Vietnamese woman over the radio in this very sultry voice speaking to the African-American soldiers and calling out very real truths. And it's really like, espousing and articulating all the things, the themes of the movie that you are hated in your country. Why are you fighting us? You're they right. the same things. Like, why, why are you fighting us here? They're killing your family back in the U S and I thought that was a really powerful thing, but he used the same tool in miracle at Santa Ana. I think that time it was the Berlin Rose and it's a German woman, same thing in a sultry voice speaking over this. Agreement. Right. The Nazis use similar propaganda against black soldiers. Yeah. And it's, um, First of all, the idea there being that one, the blacks would be treated any better by the Nazi, <laughs> and that was it didn't work because they knew that like everyone knew how right. awful the Nazis were. I'm sorry, that's a race to the bottom. I mean, not a race to the bottom between us and the Nazis, but anyone can. No one when you're comparing yourself to the Nazis, it is a race to the bottom. Um, but uh, I thought I liked it, and it was. I actually I liked it in that I think it's a really cool. It worked better in this film than in Miracle at Santa Ana for a number of reasons. And I'm going to keep drawing parallels to that and I'll explain a little bit. But what I liked about it is it gives this really organic way to clearly define what you're, what this movie is about, or, or, or at least a theme of this movie. And that was something that whether whether it was the Buffalo soldiers in the Indian wars or the freed slaves and, and or freedmen who fought on the North, fun fact, 
even though African-Americans only made up 1% of the North's population in the Civil War, they accounted for, I think, 10% of the troops. Fun fact there. Um, but it's this very tragic and, like, noble, in my opinion, like, v- tragic and noble fate. These men, yeah. and it's whether it's these men were fighting for a country that did not care, that did not care, like, that hated them. And uh, you, you go to the X-Men, there's a lot of parallels to be to drawn between the X-Men and the civil rights uh, thing. But the idea that you're fighting for a group of people that fear and hate you. And I think it's right. really powerful. And, and in this film, what it really does is it, and it, he does an effective job of interspersing these uh, violent images throughout. I think he overdoes it at certain points. I think it's, he's, oh, he goes through that well one too yeah. many times and he ends up like drowning in it, especially towards the end because he uses really evocative and, and disturbing message, messages that I think overshadows the movie by the end, but in the beginning, it's really effective and it sets the tone. I think um, in terms of like, I think what's kind of unique about the Vietnam War, and, and this is true, you know, it's like black soldiers fought in the Civil War, you know, they fought in uh, World War One and World War Two. like you said, for a country that didn't really respect them. I think the unique thing about the Vietnam War is it w- was the first time veterans came back and people sort of like looked down upon them it wasn't like they came back to this country that celebrated them you know after world war ii people really celebrated what those soldiers had done and that you know the greatest generation is still called the greatest generation because it's like people love the fact that we won that war when the veterans came back from vietnam it was a totally different feeling and it was like you had all these hippies who were protesting and asking for peace and they didn't like that you know the soldiers were not really well received publicly when they came back and so it's like to be a black soldier fighting for this country that doesn't respect you and then to come back and have these hippies still kind of like mistreating you and stuff i think it's just it's a it w- it's a tough it's it's a tough life being in the military i'm sure i have had no experience in an actual war but to go through that and then come back to a country that's still ungrateful for you i think it's a it's a whole other level of disrespect those soldiers went through i think it could easily have a warping effect, but that's one of the things I wouldn't have minded a flashback to that scene. Show me that scene that, or a scene of them coming back. Right. Yeah. Like, but again, I'm not, I'm not here to rewrite the movie. But he seemed to want to keep it parallel, like Vietnam in the past and Vietnam in the present was kind of what he was going for. You're right. I, I you don't need it, but I agree with you. I think it would have been a good scene to have though. And it's also, I think I agree with you. I think it's one of the most tragic chapters in our history, not just the Vietnam war. The soldiers were victims too. They were dra- no one. They were drafted into the war. They had no choice. And also, like, I don't think people were. I know some people were draft dodgers and stuff, and that happened. But I don't think those people were welcome back in the community, in any community where people served and, and suffered. So I, I, it's a, a sad thing. I also think that's why people are so sensitive now in terms of like, oh, support the troops and respect your troops, you know, don't kneel and stuff. I think a lot of that is an offshoot of what happened from post-Vietnam where soldiers were being disrespected. And now we're in this place where it's like, you can't, don't say anything negative or you're anti-American kind of. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't think, I think anytime you put an institution or a person above reproach, even if they are, they'll eventually become corrupted because anything like absolute power, that whatever corrupts absolutely, corrupts absolutely. Yeah. And I, I truly do, I truly do believe that. But at the same time, a part of me, 
you have to give the benefit of the doubt and anyone who's willing to serve and put their life on the line. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to get political here, but just we'll focus just on, um, I think people who serve a community in any way, whether it's a firefighter, a cop, a soldier, a nurse, a doctor, I think that you need to give them the benefit of the doubt. And yes, that doesn't mean turning a blind eye. And whether it's a two strike rule, a three strike rule, I don't know. But at the same time, I just, my heart goes out to, yeah, it's a sacrifice not everyone's willing to make. And if, like in Vietnam, most of them were drafted. They didn't choose to make that sacrifice. And uh, yeah, it's it's just, I think it's incredibly unfortunate the way that a lot of the soldiers were treated when they came. And it's like, it's not their fault we lost that war. You know, it's like, no. it wasn't, you know, they did all they could. No, it wasn't their fault at all. And that's, there are tons of books written about that, about the many mistakes. Yeah. We shouldn't have been there in the first place. And then we should yeah, have gotten exactly. out early. Or if we're going to stay, you commit early and you and you win and you don't like. Uh, I'm not. I'm not here to rewrite or refight that war. It's over. But it's it's a shame. What happened? It's a true shame. And, and it was a tragedy in so many ways. And I also we won't get into that. I also think it. I'm no expert, but it feels like it kind of stratified the country and really set us on this path we've been on ever since. That's true. Hardened, yeah. And since then we've just been ever hardening. And it seems like each side today, when they think of the other it's cast in these images from the sixties and seventies. Oh, yeah. the right. They're like the, whatever. We all know what they it's are. True. I, it's a very dividing point in our country. Still, I, people still see it differently depending on what side they're on. Yeah. One of the questions I wanted to ask you actually was um, sort of in the third act of the movie, I noted the violence seemed to just ramp up. Like, the, like uh, suddenly landmines were involved. There was a lot more shooting. What did you, what was your take on some of the action sequences, the, you know, there's a, there was one early Vietnam sequence where there was a lot of shooting with Chadwick Boseman, and they're kind of changing posts and stuff. There was a, like it almost looked like a Michael Mann scene almost. So, <laughs> what did you think of some of the more active scenes in the in the movie? One of the first things I picked up on was I was not a fan of the opening action scene. I thought the action overall was a little underwhelming, and I was surprised not because Spike Lee's known for his action films but his films are shot so well and there's like movement and action in scenes, even if there's not traditional like gunfights or violence. But one of the things that bothered me, so we'll just, I won't go through all of them one by one, but the, the a big portion of the fight, I think it's a fight they cut to several times. It's the five soldiers, the, the five bloods of the five soldiers in Vietnam and it's them and their crew and the rest of their platoon going up to secure this payload, this township. What bothered me is, and I'm not a battle expert, and I'm not one of these people who's like analyzing every scene, but I do have a problem with basic problem, like just basic things you don't do. Number one example, Game of Thrones, when you have an army and put them outside your massive walls, like in the season, like in the season, but I'm not, spoiler, I'm sorry. That's not why you have a wall. You don't put your entire army outside a wall. And so the reason I say that is you get to the scene and this action scene and, and uh, you know, it's, Americans are coming up to the Vietnamese and the Vietnamese are standing in a group around the plane, but not like not oh, surrounding yeah, yeah. the plane, just standing huddled and they get like wiped out. But then they, you find out, OK, there's another and I'm sorry, not going to go through the whole dichotomy, but this is my problem. They're just standing there and they're not even talking. They just are just standing there in a, in a group. I'm spending too much time on this, but then there's also a frontal assault. And again, I'm not a genius, but the Viet Cong are elevated behind yep. trees, more of them. 
more guns, more guys firing down at these five yeah. guys in the open, and they've run away. <laughs> they 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 lose. That doesn't that doesn't <laughs> happen. Like that doesn't that happens not even in movies. That doesn't happen in a Marvel yeah. movie. There There's was no a couple flanking. times where I wonder I wondered if Spike had a military consultant or if he had just kind of blocked these scenes on his own. And just kind of went with it that way. I'm, honestly, it felt like when I'm playing with my nephews and they're they're constructing an action scene. Right. Like, oh, there's gold here, and there's bad guys here, and there's good guys here, and wait, yeah. Dead. It's like it, it did not. It did not feel like an authentic military, like tactical. I agree with you. And it also, we yeah. we we recently talked about Inside Man, and one of the things I really loved about that film is he has a great sense of space and geography, and he's setting the stakes. He does not do that in these action scenes, so. And there's no, again, there's just five guys. And the other problem is you see Chadwick Boseman, who's like more dynamic in his actions, and it looks like he's holding a gun, and surrounded by septuagenarians and sectogenarians, and it's yeah. fine, but they look like it, and they're just holding their guns, their wrists aren't moving, and it just. It honestly, weird. it was the type of war making movie that makes me appreciate Spielberg and like Saving Private Ryan a lot more, and how difficult it is to make all those scenes feel authentic and feel really like life or death. Where it's like in this, I never felt like I was on the edge of my seat, never felt like someone was like in danger or something. The Chadwick Boseman thing where he gets shot by, I, you know, it was like, okay, you made that kind of understandable, I guess, but still at the same time, I was like, should this guy stop firing as he moves his gun and then fight? You know, it was like I don't know. Even that part of my it, problem the, with the that, action. The action scenes were not my favorite. The I scenes, actually thought the landmine scenes were better than the shooting scenes. Yeah, but my problem: the landmine scenes were stupid too. Like they just <laughs> were like it. I've never, I've never seen that trick used twice in a movie. Other <laughs> than actually, I, Tropic Thunder used it, but in Tropic Thunder, it worked. Like it was a joke. Like it was yeah. uh, the punchline of a joke was him blowing up, and it set the scene of it set the stakes for the film. Two random people run into landmines, and that's like, and it has to do with the scene, but it doesn't actually change anything in the film. It's just so weird. It was also like there was the so it's like the sun kind of falls for the girl who's the landmine removal person or whatever. Oh wait, wait like, oh I'm sorry, you're talking about the third act love triangle he just threw in here. <laughs> With uh, you mean with the sun and the t the two? I couldn't tell they were European. I didn't know what they were. Yeah, I don't know where they're from. They're two vaguely like... European guys who are walking around. I think it's Cole Walter Hauser, who's a great American actor, and the European actors were fine too. But they were bomb removal specialists. But like, if they were a cool rock band, maybe or like vampire hunters, like it was. It I was, was also like, how many years have you bomb removal specials been out here? There's still landmines all over the place, apparently. Like, like how many landmines could there still be if you guys have actually been doing your job? Well, I believe <laughs> there could be a lot, just because I know some of my trips. I I, was, I didn't go there, but in other countries I visited, there were, were like, landmines no from previous wars because it's oh, like yeah. a jungle, and like to get it out, it's, it's uh, there were a few. I think it was Cambodia where there's an ongoing. Uh, I believe there's landmines out there, I guess. I was just kind of like, I don't know if there's really areas that are like that littered. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm saying there are areas in Cambodia where that's happening. So it, okay. it, it might not be beyond. Good to know. It might not be beyond. <laughs> but at the same time, that like we talk about, you, you mentioned organic and like a war film. That whole setup didn't feel organic. They're at a random... They're, they're at, yeah, it was very out of nowhere. And like, I first of all, I didn't buy the chemistry between the girl and... The, I'm sorry... The guy who plays the son, David, I'm not trying to be mean here. He's not a handsome dude. 
He's not a tall dude, and that that's fine. You don't need to be tall or handsome, but there's not he's not funny. There's no there's no real charisma. Like he's also doesn't have a super strong moral character. He's not a very likable guy, is where I'm going with this, and he's not good looking. And I he's agree. played there's supposed to be some type of romance with this what I thought was a charming, lovely young lady who is like supposed to be a bomb remover thing. I also thought it was cover at first, but like she's not she's not a world beater herself in terms of like the chemistry or charisma department in terms of the performance, but they're both doing what they're supposed to do in the scene. I'm just not buying it. Like they're not working for me as a couple. It did that way like of all you know, there we've already talked about how there's some subplots that don't click. That one didn't click the right way either. And um I mean, yeah, it's not like it, I mean, it's not the main part of the movie. It was just another thing where you're like, oh, this is supposed to be like some sort of romance, but it doesn't feel that authentic. Um, also, wait, 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 speaking of that, the other thing I just want to quickly note is that's like he drops that he has cancer in that last 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. The Delroy Lindo character, he mentions malignancy, and I had a couple other examples. We won't go through them all, but th- that is another example of just like, by the way, this whole the French love triangle thing was introduced more than halfway through the movie. Like he just drops yeah. things in randomly throughout that have not been alluded to or just literally come out of nowhere. And it's again, it's not developed and it's not like building to, or adding to anything. It, they're almost just like little diversions. It really, it's like the only thing that's really developed front to back is the Delroy Lindo stuff. Everything else is kind of like feels out of nowhere, out of place, or not quite clicking or introduced too late. It's just all. It's like the only thing that's really working is Delroy Lindo. Even like uh, when Gene Reno shows up at the end, I, I was just kind of like distracted. I was like, is that really Gene Reno? <laughs> so, yeah, he, I think it's Jean Reno, but you can say it however Sorry. you want, Americano. Actually, I don't know. It might be, I really don't <laughs> it's know. It's probably Jean. I'm it's sure it's, it's Jean. probably like Jean Reno. And we're both like, yeah. it's Reno. Um, so, <laughs> well, however you want to say it. Uh, uh, a rose by any other name. Actually, I don't think that's the proper use of the phrase. So we're gonna exercise. We're gonna remove that. Um, but no. So you have this great actor, and again, he's playing this yeah. weird caricature. Like you. Ha- oh, so I'm, I'm, this is one of the things I wanted to bring up: the respect between the U.S. soldiers and the Vietnamese soldiers. I liked. Obviously, I'm not a soldier, so I can't speak. As my experience, I can't speak to that as a soldier. But one of the things that the our guide and the people we said there said. Most of their American tourists are soldiers. Oh, they yeah. want to see what the country's like now. And they say they love them the most. And like he's told me stories like his relatives were fought on one side or the other. Like they like there is I thought that was interesting. That there's like respect between Yeah, and then you yeah. have this French guy and the Americans, and don't get me wrong, I, I'm I am American. I do know that there is some beef between us and the French, but I don't think to the degree they make it out in this film, like they're literally talking about Normandy and stuff. And also what bothered me is just from like a fairness point of view, they let the Delroy Lindo character rip into uh, Jean Reno's character about the French in World War II and everything. And that's fine. I've heard that before. I think it's a little unfair. Just, we won't go into that whole debate now, but one of the things that bothers me too, as a proud American, they were a huge supporter. They were the reason we won the American Revolutionary, American Revolutionary War. And we fought with each other in other wars and World War in the French Indian War too. Yeah, yeah. Well, we fought against them in the French Indian War. And, You're right. But um, we we were they were our allies in the Revolutionary War. I would think we well, had I a mixed history with them. But 
it just felt like they were playing some like it felt a little out of place yeah i would think um for vietnamese people i would think the french like do they dislike french people more than americans yes i would think they would yes Uh, so this is something i do feel comfortable saying also surprisingly they don't like the chinese at all they do not not like the chinese but they hated the French. And this is one of the things they said. And so like we asked and they explained it. We did awful stuff while we were there and we were there for a while. The French came in like 1900 or a little before or after then they were destroying Buddhist temples. Like in Hanoi, there was a standing church, this like big, beautiful Gothic French church. And we're like, Oh, it's gorgeous. And he, and our guide is like that. And he explained like, he was clearly didn't like it. He didn't say anything. He was, but you could just tell, he was, so yep. everywhere else we said we liked, he was like, his face would glow and you'd be so proud to talk about it. It, it, was like built French... on, it was built on the site of their most sacred temple in the city. They French oh, tore it down and they did that in a lot of places. So it was like one of those things like they had, I, I they, like... they had been losing a war for a long time before they actually ever fought. And so they hate the French. And what he said to me was what I heard was, they don't even have respect for the French as fighters or warriors. Like they, they did not have any respect for the French. And like one of the things he said, he's like, he's like the French again. This is anecdotal, but it's a tour guide. This is what like, a lot of tourists the experience we're getting. He was telling me like he was laughing. He's like the French think they're good fighters. He's like, but they weren't good fighters. Like uh, and again, it's anecdotal. But uh, what I'm saying is there was no respect for the French. Yeah. So I feel like the the French saw it as more of an imperialistic endeavor where they were going to sort of occupy it, sort of like what Hong Kong was for the British Empire. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a lot more. You know, when someone wants to take over your country, I think that's more disrespectful than somebody trying to settle a dispute, sort of. Which is what I like to think America was trying to do. <laughs> yes. Um, I guess that's, and it's also, yeah, I won't fall into it, but I think it's, it's the difference between like, you're there for an objective and, uh, or your, your objective is to like remove people's history, like, or to, right, yeah, like, exactly. to like, take away their culture and their history. Obviously that's important to every culture, but I, that's very important to Asian, to the Vietnamese people. But yeah, I th- you know, Gene Reno is a great actor. I think he could have been used a little more. I just wish I wish he could have had you know I don't know more meaningful scenes I guess you don't you don't get a lot with him and one of the things I disliked about his character was that he's introduced and I, I believe her name is Trien who is the 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 Vietnamese girlfriend of yeah the Vietnamese girlfriend it's it's his partner and what I thought was hoping would be this really interesting gray area of, of that character and maybe that relationship or a possible love triangle between the three does not develop into any of that. And you find out, and this is what I thought was weird too. This like French evil dealer guy is like smugglers goes out of his way to assure the man that his beloved wife, girlfriend had nothing to do with it. And that she's a good person. It was just this weird, like very felt almost on the nose scene where it's like the, no, you can trust her. And, and it makes sense. Cause then right. at the end he goes back to her and develops a relationship clearly with her and her and the daughter. And it's like, that scene is clearly there to make it okay, but I would rather have if the movie's two hours and 35 minutes, make it two hours and 40. Put a great <laughs> scene in there where it's him talking to her and he has to make a choice, like a choice to believe her. And that's one of the things I just thought it was set up for a little more tension and not yeah. to rewrite it, but you created this great opportunity for tension and, and you didn't, you didn't really milk it. Like there's more juice on 
that's that's the, most of the most of the movie feels that way, where it's like there was something good here, there was a good concept, but you didn't quite juice it the full way or something. I also, uh, in regards to uh, Chadwick Boseman, you know, I thought it was interesting. That's a guy that probably had a ton of offers to do all sorts of stuff post Black Panther, and I do like I'm I don't I don't know if I'll I, I'll tip my cap to him. I guess the fact that he would choose to do a supporting role in a Spike Lee movie. Because I'm sure he could have taken on some bigger uh, money-making type of movies. So, And I think that guy's a pretty good actor. I don't think the Black Panther thing has sort of overshadowed him or anything. Like, I don't think he's kind of been swept away by it or anything. I do wonder what he kind of turns into in the long term. I, I agree with you. I like that he did this role. He also did 21 Bridges, which was a more Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which I saw. That was good. Not great, but solid. Uh, I think... I think this was a smart decision and I agree with you. And I think it was a smart decision for the exact reason you just said, this isn't a movie that's about him. This is a movie he can be in as an actor. And like we talk about Cruz, sometimes you have these celebrities that it's you become the character or the movie. Right. And when you're as a care, someone as big as black Panther, a character that big, that can easily happen. And I think this is a smart move to go into something, which by definition being on Netflix can't be a com- as commercially. It's not a traditional commercial success with him. So it's a little more artistic, I think, can, which gives it a little more oomph with the critics and that community. But then it's also it's a Spike Lee film. It's really timely. It, it's hitting all the boxes. Yeah, and yeah. this was a film I thought, we've talked about this previously, this is a film that deals with race but isn't about race. And I, get, I, I think sometimes it, maybe it doesn't hit all the notes it wants to, but I think it, which we've talked about previously, sometimes the story gets overpowered by the message or the themes or like the racial right. aspect. And sometimes that works, but if you're doing that too, a lot or too frequently, it's just like you're expecting it or one, you're expecting it. And two, if the story needs to match, I think the power of the message. And this is a film where, where I think it, it mostly works. And sometimes that's not the case, but this, this, this one, I think that aspect works well here. Yeah, I totally agree with you where it's, you know, Spike's a guy, he's pushing a lot of stuff. He's got a lot of things to say with his movies, but it's like, I think sometimes he'll put, kind of put the cart before the horse and uh, he'll, you know, e- even in comparison to Inside Man, it's like, that's a movie with so much more nuance. And if you aren't really looking at it, you might not even see all the racial sort of messages he's putting in there. But this is a movie where it's like, you know, when you ended with the Martin Luther King Jr. quote, which I th- actually thought was a little out of place for the movie at the end of it. Um, but it, it's just, it's sort of like, I don't think he let the story of the movie do the talking for him as much as he should have, where it's like, when you're kind of pushing your message beyond the story, that's when you'll usually get into trouble. But I mean, I still, I like that Spike takes big swings. You know, it's like, he's he's trying to make his Vietnam War movie. I like that he at least dipped his toe, you know, in the genre, I guess. I like that he did too, and I like that he, the Martin Luther King Jr., I think, again, that's something he wasn't really, like, he was part of it, I think he might have referenced, but he becomes a big part of the film when he's assassinated, and then it kind of yes. closes it with that with that quote. that quote, but it would have felt more appropriate if it started with the Martin Luther, like, it felt like it should have been a bookend. He started it, it with the Muhammad Ali footage, I think. Yes, which which was good, but I, I just think it could have been tighter. Like, so much yeah, it could have been tighter. Um, yeah. one quick question, Chadwick Boseman. I thought you did a great job. What accent 
was that what part of the country was he from? I, it, <laughs> I actually, I thought there was a hint of the Black Panther to his accent. I was it was going, a Wakanda. Like, I think he was from the part of New York that meets like I don't know, eighteen hundred Scotland. Like, there, there was just like this weird, like, Paul, like there was a Scotland Wisconsin. But I there was something in his voice. Or accent, and I'm no, I'm no expert, but I've been pretty much every state in the country. I've never heard that accent before, or in it any other film. Like it wasn't southern, it wasn't northern. It felt like it was trying to be something in between, and there was a hint of exoticness there. Like, yeah, I don't know if it was like a British. I don't know what it was. It was just I don't know weird. what it was either. You're right, though. He he was doing some weird kind of dialect. I I mean. Almost felt like he was like a play, like a British play or something. Like it was, yeah. like, I can't quite place it. Like it's just. I wonder if he was trying to like. I'm, I'm like uh, this is something I'm sure Spike or somebody would go into, but it's like I, I was wondering if there was like a certain Black Panther or one of those early speakers that he was sort of like kind of modeling his speech off of something. But I have no idea. Maybe he just came up with it on his own. I don't know what he was going for. I, you know that that character in particular, they're clearly going for sort of the modern martyr aspect. And um, it's not that it's like I want to see him be a flawed character, a more fleshed out character, but it's like there was a simpleness to it that was sort of like this guy has all the answers and he has all the right philosophies and he's going to help us in all the battles. And then when he dies, it's sort of like canonized that way. Where I was kind of wondering, I was like, well, if Storm and Norman had lived, like what would he have been like as an old man? Would this group have been better? Like, would they all be more sane if he had lived? Or who knows what he'd like. Maybe he would, his own beliefs would have changed. Like, it's hard to know. That was one of the things that kind of bothered me. He was a little too... Uh, Teflon's not the right word. It was, like, a little too inhuman. There, there, he was missing yeah. a little too perfect. And for a while, I honestly thought that the hook was going to be that he and Paul were lovers and that that was why Paul was more effective oh, than everyone interesting. else. Um, or I thought that it was... Or I thought that it was... I, I knew it was that or he had something to do with his death. I thought it was one of the two. But then you find out it's not. And when I found out he wasn't, I kind of went back to the character and it's like, he's, he's almost too good to be true. And I feel, yeah. I feel like yeah, I'd never say that. That's unfair to say. You could say that about Captain America. Like, it's a very unfair thing to say. But it's just, in Captain America, it, he's in a movie full of people that aren't real. And it's like, he's yeah. the best of them. But it's like, this is a movie. People are very flawed. And he's the only one who isn't. And not that he needs to be flawed. Like, he can be a super soldier and like the great guy he is, but it you only see him perfect throughout the film. And even as a ghost, which I thought was a powerful scene, him forgiving Delroy Lindo, I really liked. I thought that was a good scene too. Yeah. Anyway, like I like that whole, it's like that's on Delroy Lindo's like tromp through the jungle. And uh, it's like he, it kind of appears to him. And that was like, it's kind of one of those things that it makes it okay in Delroy Lindo's death. The fact that he kind of gets that acceptance <laughs> from Chadwick Boseman. It's like, you're kind of even, I mean, it's a gruesome death that Del Delroy Lindo has, but it's like, even at that point, you're kind of like, well, at least he like was able to settle that one demon he had. <laughs> I, I liked, I thought it was a nice thing of peace. I'm glad, he, I'm glad the character had that, especially the way they character, they made him a villain. He abandons his son and his friends and just leaves. Yeah. He really became a villain by the end. That part, actually, there's a lot of, like, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. That's another reference I think the movie's going for, is that the greed of the money that they all have ends up souring the entire situation, and that, every, you know, the money itself makes everyone too greedy for anyone to get out of it. 
Yeah, and I feel like that's a that's a frequent theme we've we've seen, and I I didn't love I just didn't love the way this film went in a lot of weird directions. It didn't the, really like, go where I thought it would, but it goes all over the place. Delroy Lindo character wandering off into the woods and getting killed by himself. I guess the scene with Chadwick Boseman was nice, but it just it was it was just a little weird. It just didn't really work for me. And then when conjunction with everything else, the other character run like walks into a landmine it was just it felt yeah, like it was rough. a long movie like it, it could have been played for laughs and i think i did laugh like it was at first so- yeah at first i was like i was kind of laughing and then when you see his face again you're like oh man that's horrible and so one of the things i really liked about this film was they called out the african-american history and like they mentioned crispus addicts who was the victim yeah. in the boss massacre and i really liked that and what they also mentioned i believe his name was milton milton olive and it was the first African-American to get the Medal of Honor, and he got it by jumping on a grenade, and I really liked that. Yeah, I yeah. don't think it was a good callback to have one of the characters die by jumping on a grenade. Like I, like, I guess I just mentioned talking about bookending, and so go, that's great. There was no mention of Milton Olive or Medal of Honor from that scene to the end, and I don't remember that guy. He might have been the one talking about it, but like, it, it wasn't built up in a way that was resonant. It just felt It was very also contrived. weird... When it happens, I, it's Isaiah Whitlock that jumps on the grenade. Yeah. When it happened, I was kind of like, there was no one around it. You should have ran it. Like, if you just let it blow up, I don't think, I think everyone would have been at, like, you were the closest person to it. There wasn't, I didn't know that you were saving anybody in that moment. So that was the other thing. <laughs> Usually you jump on a grenade in a foxhole or in a trench. Like yeah. When everyone's there, a grenade in an open jungle isn't <laughs> Also, the guy was like near a wall. Isaiah Whitlock's character runs over and jumps on this grenade. The guy could have rolled out of the way. Like there was so many, he didn't. Yeah, or, or like give it a kick, maybe. You know, I would have tried that move. That actually is what. That's what he should have. There, it, it again, not not done very well. Uh, it, it just didn't feel. Yeah, weird. it's it's like I get what he's trying to do there, but you have to make it when you shoot that scene. You have to make it make everyone aware that he's saving everybody around him. But that's not how it comes across. Uh, Quick edit. You put him, have him be forced into that uh, area, like the the temple with the, yeah. the son David and the girl, and then have him dive on and save them. Other exactly. thing I did not like: David shooting John Reno. Also, that gunfight was awful. Talk about like you, the the Vin character is cool. It was the, it was the best action scene. It still wasn't great, but it ends with David making a perfect clean headshot from like fifty paces away with a handgun. Yeah, with a with was... a with a bullet in his leg, like, come on, come on. like it's just like that's. I mean, uh, <laughs> that that for me was like I like threw my hands up. I was like, you guys just aren't. You're not even trying anymore. I feel like Spike definitely could have used like a military coordinator or a guy that just could have like helped him with some of those action sequences. Because yeah, there's some stuff that just wasn't that it didn't look terribly great and wasn't believable, like you're saying. So. There, there's, I mean, this is a movie, it was too long, and uh, not all the subplots worked. It's very easy to pick apart, I think. Oh, um, I also forgot one more example. The the villains, the third act villains, the, uh, yeah. you don't know if they're VC or, or I don't know if they're VC, you're not sure if they're soldiers or just terrorists or criminals. They're not introduced to in one hour and 41 minutes. You, you <laughs> see them once before, but then they're not introduced again. It's like in an hour and 40 minutes, you need more than one shot. That's it's like I, I definitely feel like when they're in town, you know, someone should mention 
or you know it's like someone should overhear them at a bar that they're looking for this gold and it's like that you know you should, there's organic ways to have it so that it's like you know that there's people aware that there's like these soldiers looking for stuff they left behind or something you're right it's like a lot of the stuff just pops up and you got to swallow it um yeah and we've already talked about it but i really like I feel like we're coming hard, a little harder on this movie, but I would have I mean, liked it wasn't more the greatest com- movie. No, it wasn't. And I would have liked more conversation. And to your point, like, what would Norman be doing today if he were alive? Would he be su- support Black Lives Matters? Would he support it implicitly? Would he be a little more reserved? Like, again, yeah, who like, knows? Lee, Lee is willing to take swings, but this is one of the few films where I feel like, again, I commended him on it before, but I wouldn't mind him talking putting a little more of his own thought or getting a little more of his thoughts and feelings. I know he's outspoken, but through this film about what's going on and more importantly, how would Norman see this? This whole movie is about Norman and his lens. They all see the past through his lens. I want yeah. to see the, I want to see the present through his lens. And I would have liked that. Um, I don't know how you do it, but that's not, I don't my, know. Job. That's not my Maybe job. Would you watch a sequel with Chadwick Boseman? Yes, I actually would. I really like Chadwick or, I mean, Boseman. not a sequel, a prequel. Only if you've got different actors to play the older guys. Yeah, if you did, I'd be all in. Um, um, Any other questions or anything? No, no. Anything else you want to touch on? I don't think so. I mean, the only other thing, the Vin character, I liked. He's this. He's this. He's their guide. He's the guide. Yeah. Um, And you're kind of wondering if he's good or bad, and you find out he's good, but like, it just was that was it. Like there was no emotional investment. You're like, Oh, is he good or bad? No, he's good. And he survives. And then he gets his money. It was just, that's a guy where it's like, maybe that's the character you want to have a subplot with instead of some of the other people. Cause you're right. That's a character that there's probably a little more to, um, especially like having relationships with, with old black veterans and stuff, but they don't go too deep on them. (laughs) No, that's a joke. As we said, they don't, they're not going too deep. It's spread far, but not very deep. Yep. Should we uh, should we do final scores? Sure, sure. What are you thinking? Um, it's not my favorite Spike Lee movie. Um, it's uh, it's like it's definitely a movie I would only rewatch if like a certain Delroy Lindo scene was on or something. Then I would like kind of watch that scene maybe. But it's like I doubt I would rewatch this start to finish again. Um. And again, yeah, it's like it's similar to some of these other Netflix movies where it's like they kind of give the creator free reign and then you feel like it almost was too much free reign. Um, I think I'm coming in at like a four and a 4.5. I think like without the Delroy Lindo performance, I think you're looking at like a movie in the low threes. So I think he brings it up to like a 4.5. Okay, I'm, I'm not just saying this. That's exactly what my score was. I was floating oh, between nice. like a 3.5 and Happy. a 4.5, and I was like, it's got to be a 4.5 um, <laughs> because I think with the I was like the Lindo character, yeah. while the execution is awful, the themes are great, and it's really topical right now. I think it's really resonating, at least for me. And uh, yeah, but at the same time, it's below, as I've said, 5 is kind of my watermark. Yeah. It's well below 5. It's the for the simple, for the, all the reasons we said, but like... Yeah. You don't have to see this movie, and I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but I would give you a gentle nudge. I would say, if you're interested... It's a movie, it's a, it's one of these movies that's probably better to talk about with somebody than it is to watch. Yeah. That's, that's actually, I think, the perfect way to describe this movie. Yeah. 
yeah, there's a lot of interesting themes and uh, performance and stuff, but it's like when you actually sit down and watch it, you're like, oh, get to the end of this thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it was a bit long. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. It made me excited for another Spike Lee film. I liked Black Klansman, and I haven't seen all his films. Uh, I really did not like Miracle Santa Ana. That actually really kind of threw me off of him for a while. And I mentioned that movie earlier. That movie has a lot of the same problems this film does. It's, a, it's over long. Characters aren't equally developed. And it's yeah. this almost like nonsense, like characters are making nonsensical decisions, which just totally, I think, ruined the stakes of the movie a lot of times. But that that's a different film. We talked about this one. It, it, I liked it. I like parts of it. It made me excited to see what he's doing next. I agree. Yeah. It's not the kind of movie that's going to like end someone's career because it wasn't their best movie. And it's like, also, he's kind of going outside his comfort zone doing like a war movie, which is not really, I mean, he's used to shooting on the streets of Brooklyn or something. So it's like for him to be in the jungle and doing all that stuff, like it wasn't his comfort zone. So I give him a little bit leeway with like some of those shooting scenes and stuff. But it's like, at the end of the day, you got to make it more believable than I'm in a war or something. Yeah, I agree. I think I give him credit. I think he did a good job with the setting, but below his usual standard and that's unfair it's from a city he knows it's going to a place he doesn't it works but it's uh yeah if he makes a sequel i i think it would be i bet it would be far superior to this film and i think it would be really really good it would be interesting to see him make like another war movie maybe we'll see we'll see what spike does you know i'd also also like to see him work with delaware lindo more maybe that could be like kind of his new denzel for a couple of i hope that that why can't that be his uh samuel l jackson to tarantino yeah, and also I hope Delroy Lindo does kind of break through and become a, a name that people know because he is a. I mean, he has an amazing amount of range, and he shows a lot of depth of emotion. Uh, not to just compare him to Denzel, but there are things he does that I think are more interesting than than like kind of your your usual Denzel fare, I guess. Yeah, I like him. I, I, I'm hoping for uh, maybe an Ian McKellen like late season uh, ascension. That would be interesting. Late, late. I late think season. he's a guy. I mean, he's always had work, and I'm sure he'll continue to get work. But it'll be interesting if he can kind of go up a level from this movie. I hope it does. I hope it does. I, I think it's elevated him. Well, he elevated the film, so hopefully it elevates him a bit. All right. Four point five from both of us on the nose. For the five that. bloods from these two fellas. There you have it. All right. Uh, I think that does it for us today. Seth, you want to say anything to the people? Goodbye, people. (laughs) Later.